People of Earth, attention! This is the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance. Hello and welcome to the third Planet Retcon podcast from planetretcon.com. This third podcast is our second work of fiction and our first standalone show. It's not part of any series, though I like the characters and they may crop up in another story or two in the future. Anyway, like our last fictional show, I made a mistake in this show. And like that last show, my mistake is an error of omission. The title character, The Hoff, is going to use his time machine to go back in time one minute. One minute. That's what I left out. So, when he says he's going back in time, just mentally splice in that one minute and we're good to go. Enjoy the show. Max on 9th was as crowded as it ever was on a Friday evening at 5.30, which was as crowded as hell. I wedged my way into the room and slowly threaded across the packed dance floor to the bar. I didn't make eye contact. I didn't talk to anybody. I wasn't here to talk. I was here to have a drink and forget my week and to take a real, honest, actual break before my wife would, as usual, suck the fun out of my weekend. I finally reached the actual bar part of Mac's bar, and I waved a 20 at Mac. Hold on, buddy. What can I get you? At least I assume I was waving at Mac. In the two years I'd been coming to this bar, I'd never talked to the man except to order a drink. Tonight was no exception. Whiskey. Rocks. In seconds, Mac dropped a whiskey rocks onto the bar in front of me, took my 20, gave me back less change than was fair, and received more of a tip than he deserved. I pocketed the extra $11 and took a sip of my drink. Bah! I turned to the man next to me who had just said, Bah. Well, I was wedged between three other people, so I more turned at him than to him, but that's semantics, and I'm not going to argue semantics right now. Where was I? Oh, yeah. I turned at him, expecting him to be talking to someone else or his drink or maybe at Mac, but he wasn't. He was looking right at me. I found myself becoming... Disconcerted. Time travel. What did they know about it? Bye, say. He whispered that to me. And in order to get me to hear it over the thousands of other sounds in Mac's bar at happy hour, he had to lean uncomfortably close. He had a smell about him, like a city bus, or the entryway to a train station. Now, I'm not the type to just ignore someone, especially someone who's obviously talking to me. This time, though, I honestly didn't know what to say to him. So I took a sip of my whiskey and I looked away. He grabbed my arm. Looking down at his dirty hand, I I noticed that he was missing a pinky. And at that moment, and with God as my witness, I swear I'm telling the truth here, I seriously considered leaving the bar before finishing my drink. But honestly, I, I just couldn't do that to my wife. She expects me to stay out on Friday nights. She wants it that way, whether she knows it or not. So I, I looked up from that pinkyless hand, up the sleeve of that cheap dinner jacket, and into the bearded face of my new, how should I say it, acquaintance. You don't believe me, do you? Believe you? Well, I don't even know you. Why would I believe you? You're like them, aren't you? You think I'm crazy. Well, of course I did. Stinky? No pinky? Blabbering on about time travel? What else could I think? Look, pal, I'll buy you a drink. 
If it's important, I'll think you're crazy later, okay? I was hoping that, properly bribed, he'd go bug someone else. I was hoping he'd understand my total lack of interest in what he was saying. I was hoping to enjoy my whiskey in peace. <laughs> I knew it! You think time travel's impossible? But, no. Now let me get one thing straight, right here and right now, so we're all on the same page. I didn't know, and I surely didn't care, if time travel was possible or not, and I told him that. He must have misunderstood me, though, because he continued. Yeah, well, we did it anyway, didn't we? Twenty years ago to this day. Well, not me in particular, of course. I was just a bystander, a witness, if you will. It was really John Hoffenmeister who did it. Have you ever heard of Professor Hoffenmeister? No, I haven't. Of course you haven't. His work was classified after the accident. Let me tell you, though. He did for time travel what Einstein did for light speed travel. <laughs> Einstein proved light speed travel was impossible. I'm not talking about that, Einstein, you fool! I finished my drink with a larger swallow than I generally like to take of an ice cold whiskey, but this was an emergency. The wife would just have to accept that I was going to be home earlier than normal. As I turned to stand, though, the man grabbed my arm with his pinkyless hand. Do you want to hear about this or not? I did not. I really did not. But something made me turn back around. Something made me sit down. And something made me wave a $10 bill back at Mac and get another drink. And when Stinky No Pinky leaned back toward me again to tell me his story, something, and it definitely wasn't the smell, made me lean toward him to hear it. It was 1986, and Hoffenmeister had called a cadre of the top military, political, and financial leaders of the free world together in the hidden bunkers and caves of the Northern Nevada Mountain Complex. Of course you never heard of the Northern Nevada Mountain Complex. It's classified. No, I wasn't one of these people. I wasn't a great leader. I wasn't a strategist or a scientist or anything like that. I was just a guard. I was one of a couple of low-ranking guards stationed at the mountain. That's what we called it. The mountain. I was, you might say, in the right place at the right time. Anyway, it was freezing cold outside, being January. I didn't know that, of course, but the men entering the room were all talking about how frigid it was outside as they all took their seats around the stage. There were about 50 people total, and besides them and us couple of guards, the room's only feature was a strange-looking device on the stage. It looked a bit like one of those booths that you get your picture taken in, but it was all made of glass. It was a little glass booth with a chair and a control panel. Really wasn't much to look at, unless you knew what you was looking for. At that time, of course, I didn't know what it was for. So, to me, it wasn't much to look at. I remember checking my watch and noticing it was ten minutes before noon. It's ten minutes before noon! Professor Hoffenmeister yanked aside a curtain at the back of the room and stepped out. The Hoff, that's what we called him around the base, was quite a character. He was intelligent to the point of being a bit crazy. Crazy enough to try things that most of the other scientists in the mountain thought were impossible, or stupid, or suicidal or sometimes even all three. Today's demonstration was going to be one of those times where he tried all three. Time travel is impossible no longer. I have built the world's first and only time machine. 
and I am going in ten minutes' time to use this machine to take myself back in time, and then I will do what I hope you will all think is an impossible task. He pulled a pistol out from under his lab coat. I'm going to shoot myself in... the head! I spat whiskey out all over the bar, and onto the back of some random guy who was, thankfully, wearing a thick wool jacket. He never even knew he'd been covered in whiskey, and I wasn't about to be the one to tell him. Instead, I asked Stinky No Pinky to repeat himself. I said, he's going to shoot himself in the head. Now, I was thinking, at this point, probably the same thing you're thinking. Dude's crazy. Why, why would this guy shoot himself in the head? I mean, doesn't that break some kind of law of nature or something? I, I remembered this story about someone going back in time and killing his parents before he was born or something, and the universe blew up. I, I don't know the details, but it was bad news. Wouldn't this be the same kind of thing? I mean, if killing your parents is bad, then what about... Are you going to let me tell the story or not? I figured saying no wouldn't work, so I nodded. And he continued. All of us were... Just like you, surprised by this statement, to say the least. If a man goes back in time and shoots his former self in the head, how will he then be around to go back in time to, again, shoot himself in the head? It didn't make much sense. I know what you're all thinking. If I go back in time and shoot myself in the head, how will I then be able to go back in time and shoot myself in the head? Do I not, by killing myself, make it impossible for me to kill myself? Do I not introduce a paradox into the world? And if I do introduce a paradox, what will happen? But at the same time, it did make sense. No! Time is not so easily cheated, and paradox not so easily gained by a simple machine like the one that I have built. You see, I have studied, I have theorized, and I have researched this very carefully. I have discovered a simple truth in the universe, and I will explain that truth to you now. Made you think. Whenever a random event occurs, say the flip of a coin, there are only two logical, and if you are playing a fair game, equally likely outcomes to the coin toss. The coin can either come up heads, or it can come up tails. I know. It's obvious. Shut up. Well, in actual fact, and until recently this was a fact that escaped even the smartest of us, me, the coin actually comes up both heads and tails. <gasps> You see, at the point of decision between the two outcomes, the entire universe splits into two new universes, like an amoeba, or the growing branches of a tree. In one of these half-universes, the coin lands heads up, and in the other half-universe, it lands heads down. Everything else in the two universes is the same, except that coin flip. After that, though, everything is different. In one universe, I win the coin toss, and the other, you do. Perhaps we had a large bet on the coin toss, and in the universe that you lost, you lost your money, and your wife left you. Or perhaps I am a sore loser, and in the universe where I lost, I killed you! The important thing is, whatever happens in one of these new universes doesn't necessarily happen in the other. They are totally separate. They must be. And the other important thing is that this universe splitting goes on all the time, for anything where there is a possibility of multiple outcomes, whether it's a coin toss, a die roll, or a time machine appearing and someone getting shot in the head! The universe will split. In one universe, I will get into my time machine and go back in time one minute. In the other universe, the universe that splits... My time machine will appear, I will step out, and I will shoot my other self in the head! I will then activate the recall button and return here to our universe. There, Professor Hoffenmeister will be dead, but I will be very much alive! Why, yes, I do seem to be empty. Gin martini with three olives. You have to say three olives or they only put in one. I again waved down Mac and gave him another twenty. In seconds I got two drinks and seven dollars back. I picked up the two singles and handed Stinky No Pinky his drink. Thank you, my good man. Anyway, where was I? 
Oh, yes. Hoffenmeister looked up at the clock. It was two minutes to noon. It's two minutes to noon! And at this point, I think it would be wise to move the time machine to a new location, so that when the time comes, it won't end up on top of itself. That would be no good, now would it? He scanned the stage, searching for the spot that would make the best view of the murder. Even though we would not see it, I appreciated his flair for the dramatic. I think that the best spot to appear would be... there. I had to agree. The murder would look great from that angle. No! The clock hit 11.59, and the air in the spot he was pointing at crackled, and sparks flew out of a growing vortex of light that exploded from a pinpoint to a blinding flash in under a second. When my eyes recovered moments later, I saw before me a second time machine on the stage, right where the Hoff was planning on putting his. No! Our Hoff cringed, and the other Hoff pulled out a pistol. It was an exact duplicate of the pistol that our Hoff had shown us minutes before. The other Hoff aimed. No! It's not supposed to work this way! Our Hoff and Meister fell backward. A hole cleared through his head. The other half stepped back into his time machine, flipped a switch, vanished. The enormity of what happened began to dawn on us. We were the second universe. We were the split. Our Hoffenmeister didn't go back in time and kill theirs. It was theirs who came back and killed ours. I leaned back against the bar, sipping the last of my third whiskey. What an end to the story. Man, that sucks. That sucks? It sucks? That's your reaction? Yeah, it's, it's ironic. He was killed by his own invention. By his own hand, even. By his arrogance. Poor guy. Poor guy? Hoff? Poor Hoff, is that what you're saying? Professor Hoffenmeister is, right this moment, living the good life in an alternative universe. He invented time travel. Can you imagine the kind of money you would make if you invented time travel? Don't pity him. Pity us. Us? Yes, us. Nobody knew how to run Hoffenmeister's machine. It still sits to this very day buried in a mountain in northern Nevada. Unused and unusable. He didn't just kill himself when he, uh, killed himself. He killed time travel. And then it hit me. All the uses of time travel. Real, commercialized time travel and little affordable packets. Think of what it could offer. You could jump ahead to the weekend to see if it's going to rain. You could go back in time to Monday and help yourself out on that really hard project for a week. And when you're done, you just flip the recall switch and hop back to normal time with a CD copy of all the work. Both universes could get two weeks of work out of you. And you could demand double the pay in both. You could send your secretary back in time and have a 50-50 shot of having two of her for a late night after hours. Um, anyway, I'm digressing. I pushed my empty whiskey glass across the bar. And when I turned back around, he was gone. He had vanished just as quickly as he'd appeared. But he left me with a hole in my heart. My very soul felt like it had been punctured. Half an hour before, I hadn't even known time travel was possible. And I hadn't cared. Now that I know it's possible, what's denied to me, it seems too much to bear. Somewhere in some alternate universe, I am right now getting both a foot and a back massage for my secretary. 
while another me does all the real work, and maybe a third me is home keeping the wife happy. That bearded, pinkyless man left me with nothing but an illegal-to-drive blood alcohol level and an empty, unfulfilled life. Well, he did leave me with one other thing. He left me with a story. And that's it! As far as credits are concerned, Bob Vogerl played the Hoff, Jeffrey Vargo played Stinky No Pinky, and yours truly, Wesley Clifford, was the unnamed narrator, Mac the bartender, and everybody else in the mountain. Jeffrey and I were also the crowd in the bar, and Bob Vogerl is responsible for the music you are hearing right now, which he tells me is too horrid to be the actual Planet Retcon theme, but I think it's just fine. Expect the music to change and grow over the next few shows, though, while he plays with it. Oh, and one more thing. Do me a favor and head over to podcastalley.com and vote for our show. Our current two votes, one of them mine, are not yet enough to get us at a rank that can't be described using the prefix kilo, and you really want to be in the top 200 or so to have a chance of anybody finding the show. If you do vote for the show at podcastalley.com, you will have my eternal thanks. Well, you actually already have my eternal thanks just for listening to the show in the first place. And remember, if you enjoyed listening to this podcast just half as much as I enjoyed producing it, I win. Hey everyone, it's Mark from Leap Audio. I'm here to tell you about something really exciting. July 24 through 26 of 2020, Halifax, Nova Scotia, we are gathering together in the world's first international modern audio drama convention and family reunion. Inspired in part by the living, loving memory of our dear friend Bill Hallweg, we're bringing together writers, producers, actors, and our fans for workshops, seminars, and even live performances. So join us, won't you? Go to madcon.com. That's www.mad-con.com for more information. I hope to see you in Halifax in 2020.